Hello and welcome to the podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the business week ended 24th November 2023. This is Ian Haydock. This time, buyers phase 3 failure, US Group seeks Japan changes, AstraZeneca winning AKT race for now, Nash developments at AASLD, and the Q3 impact of China's corruption campaign. It's a piling up for Bayer's new CEO, Bill Anderson, as one of the German giant's main pipeline hopes, Asundexion, has crashed in the Phase 3 Oceanic AF trial. The once-daily oral factor 11A inhibitor was bested by control drug Apixaban, which is BMS and Pfizer's factor 10A inhibitor Eliquis, in patients with atrial fibrillation at risk of a stroke, leading the study's independent data monitoring committee to pull a plug Alex Shimming's rights. One plus point for Bayer was that the committee found no new safety concerns with the product and has recommended that a second trial in its Oceanic Phase 3 program, Oceanic Stroke, should continue. Another trial, Oceanic Athena, also in atrial fibrillation patients, is not yet recruiting and the company is now re-evaluating its design in light of the Oceanic AF decision. The omens are not looking good for a drug that Bayer was counting on as a future growth driver. The touted blockbuster was seen as the successor to its Factor 10A inhibitor, Xarelto, with peak sales in the region of 5 billion euros. Stroke, at least, is expected to be the larger market, with atrial fibrillation accounting for about a third. Nevertheless, the Phase 3 failure adds to the growing worries for the firm. At its third quarter results presentation earlier this month, Anderson admitted that extreme measures were needed, although what those measures might be remained undecided. The company will, however, be cutting jobs and removing multiple layers of management. Asundexion is one of several factor 11A inhibitors being developed as a potential new option for patients needing antithrombotic therapy. Privately held company Anthos found itself in an opposite situation to Bayer in September when Abelacimab's Phase 2 Azalea Timmy 71 trial in atrial fibrillation patients at risk for thrombosis was stopped early due to an overwhelming reduction in bleeding versus Xarelto. That company has already started a Phase 3 placebo-controlled study in atrial fibrillation patients with stroke risk that may report data in late 2025 or early 2026. BMS and partner Johnson & Johnson have also initiated a massive Phase 3 programme for factor 11A inhibitor Milvexian across the first of three indications. Pharmaceutical Research Manufacturers of America, or Pharma, has again called on Japan to reform its unpredictable and frequent reimbursement price-cutting policies for prescription drugs and to direct more funding and support to innovation in the national biopharma industry. Lisa Takagi writes that during a recent visit to the country for the group's annual Pharma Week meetings with government officials, Chairman Vast Narasimhan reiterated the US group's three main policy requests to maintain drug prices during the patent period, to improve the price-setting policy framework to broadly assess a product's value, and to free up funding for innovation by reducing spending on non-innovative drugs and promoting the use of generics and biosimilars. Narasimhan, who's CEO of Novartis, 
told the Tokyo media conference these requests were well understood by policymakers and stakeholders in the government, noting it's now critical as we translate that understanding into action into clear reforms, clear improvements in the system. He added, There has been a continued focus on drug price cuts to achieve saving targets to fund other parts of the government's expenditures. Drug prices have been falling at more than twice the rate of previous years with the annual drug pricing cuts, which is unique to Japan amongst developed markets, not enabling patented medicines to truly get their value. Pharma has long maintained that current policies lead to drug lag compared to other major global markets, along with drug loss, whereby some new products are not developed at all in Japan. The association stated only 30% of the biopharma industry's total global R&D pipeline is currently being developed in Japan. Narasimhan nevertheless emphasised Japan remains one of the most important markets of all of our pharma companies and noted that it's important to note that the Japanese government has recognised the need to change. Authorities in the country are engaged in ongoing discussions about widening the evaluation metrics for new drugs. Narasimhan stated, What's critical is any such assessment fully recognises the impact on reducing healthcare costs, improving patient quality of life and patient outcomes. The Novartis CEO also welcomed Japanese plans to waive local phase 1 trials. Waiving the additional requirement of such studies in Japanese subjects will speed up development, he said. In gaining the first US approval for an AK inhibitor in TruCap, AstraZeneca has comprehensively trounced Roche, whose similarly acting Ipatacertib once looked like a same-class competitor but failed in multiple trials. If the Swiss group is no longer a threat to AstraZeneca in the AKT inhibitor space, the same cannot be said for a much smaller company, Elizabeth Cairns writes. Leichner Therapeutics Shanghai is pushing its candidate, Afuracertib, through trials in a range of cancers and hopes to gain approval in ovarian cancer fairly swiftly. TrueCap's initial indication is narrower than AstraZeneca originally hoped. It may be used alongside the company's Fasladex in adults with HR-positive, HER2-negative, locally advanced or metastatic breast cancer, with one or more alterations in the PIK3CA, AKT1 or PTEN genes. Patients must have progressed on at least one hormone-based regimen in the metastatic setting or experience recurrence within 12 months of finishing adjuvant therapy. More than 65% of breast tumours are considered HR-positive and HER2-low or HER2-negative. Mutations in PIK3CA and AKT1 and alterations in PTEN occur in up to 50% of patients with advanced HR-positive breast cancer, the company says, and patients can develop resistance to CDK4 or 6 inhibitors and estrogen receptor-targeting therapies, commonly used first-line here. In order to receive TrueCap, patients will of course have to be tested for these genetic alterations, and AstraZeneca also gained US approval for a companion diagnostic to detect them. TrueCap is in four Phase three trials in a range of settings, with CAP Itello 290, an attempt to shift the drug into first-line locally advanced or metastatic triple-negative breast cancer, set to report any day now. Another breast cancer trial and two in prostate tumours are due to read out in a few years' time. 
Lichenus furosotib is in a suite of trials, including a phase 2 study in platinum-resistant ovarian cancer, which is Profecta 2, which the company says is potentially pivotal and could report by the end of the year. While much of the buzz at the 2023 American Association for the Study of Liver Disease Conference, or AASLD, was around magical pharmaceuticals, and the 14th March US FDA action date for resmatirom in non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, or NASH, numerous other NASH drug developers also presented data at the meeting. Two, Viking Therapeutics and Turns Pharmaceuticals, are advancing their own THR beta agonists, the same drug class as resmatirom, Joseph Haas writes. However, while Viking is trying to balance its NASH ambitions with programs for obesity and rare disease, Turns is looking to optimise its combination regimens beyond what it has in-house right now. Meanwhile, Inventiva talked about its potential to be second to market in NASH with its Phase 3 pan-PPAR agonist Lanifibrinol. With one of the three drugs in active Phase 3 development for NASH, Inventiva has the benefit of likely being the second company with an approved NASH therapy, but the French company must cope with a cash position that it concedes leaves it short of what it requires to get final Phase 3 outcomes data for Lanifibrinol. In January, Inventiva announced that while it expects Phase 3 data that could suffice for accelerated approval in NASH, it intends to run a Phase 3 outcome study for full approval in cirrhotic patients, which it hopes will provide both a quicker path to hard data and a broader label than other NASH drug sponsors are seeking. At AASLD, CEO Frederic Cron told Scrib that his company expects to complete enrolment of the Phase 3 Native 3 trial by year's end. Inventiva has advised investors that it anticipates reporting histology data from Native 3 during the second half of 2025, possibly putting Lanifibrinor on pace for approval in 2026. With Madrigal's Resmatirum expected to become the first approved NASH drug in March, Inventiva is competing mainly with Nova Nordisk and its GLP-1 analogue, semaglutide, for the second-to-market opportunity. Inventiva thinks it has financial runway until early in the second half of 2024, with $10 million in upfront cash from its licensing deal with Hepolis for rights to Lanifibrinol for NASH in Japan and South Korea. The company also has access to the second 25 million euro tranche of a 50 million euro financing from the European Investment Bank that closed in 2022. While that cash won't get it to Native 3 data in 2025, Kron said Inventiva expects to be able to raise more money. The article also looks at other NASH candidates in detail and developments from AASLD, so do check it out in full. Finally, amid a heightened central government-led anti-graft campaign, China's innovative pharma companies endured the most challenging quarter in years for the domestic commercialization of new drugs in the three months ended 30th September, a review of financial results by Dexter Yan shows. In mid-July, 10 Chinese authorities, led by the National Health Commission, kicked off a one-year crackdown on corruption in the healthcare and pharmaceutical sectors. As early as August, industry insiders foresaw strong headwinds for recently approved or launched new drugs due to reduced physician educational activities and restricted hospital visits by sales reps. The actual impact from the campaign has not been apparent until companies started reporting earnings and appears mixed. 
Notably, the Chinese market for anti-PD-1 or L1 antibodies, the immuno-oncology class, most pursued by local research-based firms, experienced a slowdown in the quarter, noted major player Beijing. For example, its revenue from the PD-1 targeting agent Bizean, which is Tislelizumab, the top-selling drug in the class in the country, slid by 3% quarter over quarter to $144 million in the three months. On a year-over-year basis, however, the figure rose by 13%, helping the drug further increase its market share. Similarly, Shanghai Junqi Biosciences saw its anti-PD-1 drug Tuovi, or Toripalimab, fall by 12% quarter-over-quarter to about $31 million. The dent resulted from vulnerability to impacts from multiple factors, the company told investors on 15th November. The anti-corruption campaign has dealt a blow to the pharma industry in the short term. Analysts with the securities broker China International Capital Corp noted in a 10th November report. However, a longer-term silver lining will materialise in the form of a purified commercial environment and drug makers refocus on product qualities rather than non-compliant promotional practices, they added. Still, some other domestic PD-1-L1 makers managed to beat the odds. For Innovent Biologics, revenue from Tyvit, which is Sintilimab, co-developed with Lilly, gained 11% quarter-over-quarter to $115 million, Lilly said. Year-over-year growth was 50%. Outside the PD-1, L1 space, the home market performance of other Chinese innovative drugs in the quarter was mixed. Xilab, GSK's PARP inhibitor, Zajula, for example, declined 3% quarter-over-quarter to $41.6 million versus a 6% year-over-year rise. There's no doubt in Q3, it, referring to the National Anti-Corruption Campaign, had an impact on prescribing patterns and on healthcare utilisation, Josh Smiley, who's Xilab's president and COO, told investors in an 8th November earnings call. We see that in our results, and I think all companies, to varying degrees, are seeing that. Smiley added that despite some lingering effects in the fourth quarter, we expect and hope that by the end of this year, we're back to sort of normal practices. That's all for this week. Many thanks as always for listening. These stories, just a fraction of Scripps global coverage, are available at the link below. And if you're an existing subscriber, log in to access in full, or otherwise you can take out a free trial to see what you're missing. Bye for now.